0: to the Linnaean Society of London. If you know the extension of the
1: Please wait a moment. All my life, whenever I went to an aquarium, I would look for the octopus. And often I had the impression that as I was looking at the octopus, the octopus was also looking at me and possibly considering me with the same kind of curiosity I felt toward the octopus. But I did not feel ready to write about octopuses until March of 2011. And at that point, when I went to New England Aquarium and asked to meet their resident octopus, Athena, a giant Pacific octopus, not until then did I really feel ready to delve into the question of what might be in the mind of this creature who's an invertebrate most closely related to to clams and snails. I'm Cy Montgomery. I'm an author of 30 books now, all on nature, natural history, and particularly the relationship between people and animals. I kind of used my um, my, my own emotions and intuition um, as a, a, a way to, to get to know octopuses and their individuality. Now, I, I know that in science, we're only supposed to use our intellect, right? But I discovered from Folks like Jane Goodall, that if you use all of yourself, including your heart, as well as your mind, you're bringing more to understanding an animal than if you left a huge part of yourself behind. So what I basically did was become friends with octopuses in order to learn who they were. And we did have enough in common that I had something to offer them that they would want to be my friend. Octopuses in general like to play. Now some are shy, just like some humans are shy. Whereas there was another that they named Leisure Suit Larry. Leisure Suit Larry's arms were all over you. His suckers were all over you and you would peel one away only to find two more going on. So he was very bold. So with the first octopus that I met, Athena, um, I was quite surprised to see how eager she was to explore me. She turned bright red. She flowed out of her lair to come and greet me when the top of her, uh, the, the lid to her tank was removed. And her eye, I could see one, one side of her face at the time, and the eye facing me swiveled in its socket and locked onto me. And then her arms came boiling up out of the water with these white questing suckers. And I asked, can I put my hands in? Can I touch her? And the, the aquarist who was helping me Scott Dowd, down later became my good friend. He said, well, sure. So I roll up my sleeves and I plunge my hands and my arms into the 47 degree freezing cold water. And soon my flesh is covered with dozens of these questing suckers. And I could literally feel her curiosity right then. And she was so curious that she not only wanted to touch me, but as you probably know from having read the book, octopuses don't just feel touch with their skin, they taste with their skin. So she was both feeling and tasting me. And on top of that, that wasn't even enough. At one point, I felt myself being pulled toward her. I was bent over like an open book. And I realized she was pulling me into the tank. Many people, the first time they feed an octopus, they think, okay, where's the mouth? (laughs) And of course, the mouth is in the armpits. Where else would it be? It's where all the arms, kind of come together on the underside of the octopus. But that's not what the octopus wants you to do. Does not want you to put the food right in their mouth because they taste with their suckers. They taste with all of their skin, but particularly their suckers. So the best thing to do is to hand them a fish into an arm onto some suckers and they will pass or slide that food from sucker to sucker to sucker to sucker to sucker sucker along the path to the mouth. And why would they do that? Well, for the same reason that you would lick an ice cream cone, they're enjoying the taste.
0: Within their their beak, uh, octopuses, many octopuses have a so-called radula and it's kind of tongue-like apparatus and this radula is covered by many tiny very sharp teeth that's what I use to drill through the shell and this goes at a pretty fast pace really about 1.25 millimeters per hour which is 100 times faster than many of the snails do it actually so they're very efficient in creating a hole and and then um, injecting venom through that hole to paralyze and relax the soft tissue inside so it's much easier to to, uh, to get a soft tissue um, out of the shell. My name is Ariel Klonmaker, I'm the Curator of Paleontology at the University of Alabama at the Alabama Museum of Natural History and Department of Museum Research and Collections. Yeah, in 2018 I was working in a collection of the American Museum of Natural History and I was looking for evidence of crustaceans in a fossil collection of Cretaceous age, found in South Dakota. And I was also looking at traces in shells that may have been made by crustaceans, but what caught my attention were tiny holes uh, in those shells that I'd seen before when I was working at the at University of Florida, the Florida Museum of Natural History. And those looked exactly like the ones uh, I know from um, octopuses, in fact. But these were much older. Uh, the shells that I studied in Florida were just a few million years old. And these ones were about 73 and a half million years old. I wasn't sure about it uh, initially, whether they were really octopus traces or not. But after studying them for quite a while, uh, back at my home institution back then at Berkeley, I realized, hey, they're exactly the same. Um, so those holes are very characteristic uh, for octopus uh, drillings because they tend to be oval. They tend to be pretty irregular in cross-section. They they tend to be of a certain size between 0.1 and 2 millimeters. All those features combined make them unique to, to modern octopus drill holes. Their ancestors were
1: clams and snails, and they had a shell to protect them, but an octopus is just a big delicious blob of protein that everyone would love to have with no bones. They're just a, a, a tasty item for everybody, which makes them very vulnerable. But with that vulnerability comes the ability to move. A, a clam really can't do a whole lot about it. They can't get up and walk off or run off. Um, and a clam doesn't have much on the menu. The octopus has a huge menu of, of delightful things that he can eat, but also has to be aware of all these things that can eat him. And it all began with the loss of the shell that freed them up to be mobile and intelligent.
0: During the Mesozoic Marine Revolution, which you know happened in the Mesozoic era from 252 million years ago to about 66 million years ago, um, the oceans became much more predatory. That means that a variety of marine organisms developed that were able to uh, crush and drill through shells. Uh, Think about uh, ancient marine reptiles like Mosasaurus in the Cretaceous part of the the Mesozoic. Think of predatory fishes that uh, uh, became more diverse and abundant. Think about uh, crustaceans, some of which were able to to crush shells, but also think about uh, predatory snails that really started to take off in the Cretaceous period. And among them, now we know, are octopuses that were able to drill into the shell. Um, we know them now from the, the last part of the Mesozoic, the, the Cretaceous. So that all fits uh, very well and adds to the evidence we have of an uh, increase in, in predation pressure within the oceans uh, throughout the Mesozoic the octopuses from the Octopodoidea superfamily were able to drill much earlier in their evolutionary history than we knew before. The oldest evidence so far of drill holes made by octopi was about 50 million years old from from the UK actually. And the shells we found in South Dakota are almost 25 million years older, uh, which is an enormous range expansion of the ability of these octopuses to drill through a shell which also means that we can now study octopus behavior um, over the past 75 million years and only the past 50 million years so we have you know 50 percent more time to work with to study when octopuses were present uh, where they were present how did they approach their prey uh, what part of the shell did they and uh, made their drill hole what prey items did they prefer? So we can now try to answer all those questions over the last 75 million years. Uh, Well as a curator of paleontology at the University of Alabama Museum, I also take care of a collection of about half a million fossils, including mostly mollusks actually, and I'm very excited to see if we have anything uh, of those traces in the the collection here. We've got lots of uh, shells from the the Eocene period, so let's say about 40 million years old got lots of shells too that are slightly older than the ones that are studied from South Dakota. So may, maybe it's possible to find even older traces. So that's one of the first things I definitely want to do to continue this line of research.
1: I don't know um, what it feels like to be an octopus, but we have pieces that um, can inform us. For example, I don't really know what it's like to taste with my skin, but I do have a tongue. so you that can that can give you that can give you a, a little bit of an idea. and another thing about your tongue is like the entire octopus's body, your tongue, you can slide it inside like a a bottle of soda, um, which you can't do with your arm with its with its bones. So sometimes we are given just a little bit of a window by our own bodies into what it it might feel like to be an animal. But I think what getting to know these animals to the degree that I did really taught me was what we can expand is our compassion. And we do that by getting to know individuals and realizing what gives them pleasure, and what gives them fear or pain, and honoring that, recognizing that every animal in its own way, loves its life as we love ours. And that expands our consciousness too, because though we can't necessarily touch with our senses, what any given animal can touch with theirs. And we're still discovering hmm. the amazing senses that animals have. You know, sharks can sense the electrical um, impulses of the beating heart of their prey. And birds can see ultraviolet light and colors we can't describe or imagine. And many insects can taste with their feet and so on. Um, hmm. By knowing animals who can do this, we do expand our own minds and our own hearts.